0: Well, good morning, Life Center. It is so good to have you with us today. Hey, before we get started, I want to just remind you about next weekend. Uh, On Saturday, we are going to be giving out Christmas meals from 10 to noon. And we've done this the last couple of years that on Sunday, whatever we have left over, we bring it over here to our lobby and we invite you to take some. And so we just want to encourage you next Sunday, probably especially the first couple services that we have, you included, uh, are going to have opportunity to do that. And so even this week, begin to think about somebody you want to bless, somebody who's in need, somebody could use some help, and then be the church, be the church. And so next Sunday, uh, there'll be some meals probably left over, and so we invite you to take one of those meals and deliver it to a family that could just use some help, some, Christ- some Christmas cheer, and just some love from the great people of Life Center. So that'll be taking place next sa- next Saturday, we're going to be delivering, and then next Sunday, We'll probably have some stuff for you to, to take as well. Well, we are in week five of our series, What the World Needs Now. And uh, even as I was praying about this uh, series and this uh, sp- specific Sunday, what God would have, uh, have me uh, share with you, especially in this season, just a couple weeks out from Christmas, uh, in the midst of all the Christmas things that are happening, what would God have me share with you. And the first thing that came to my mind was grudges. Grudges, especially with Christmas right here. In the midst of that, oftentimes we find ourselves in that place of grudges. So to help me understand that or illustrate that a little bit, I want to introduce you to a little friend of mine. Just met him not too long ago. Uh, Maybe some of you know who he is. This is the Christmas elf, uh, or was referred to elf on the shelf. Um, as, as you, I was sharing somebody the idea of what Elf on the Shelf was about, and they said, oh, it's a snitch. It's a snitch on a shelf. So back in 2005, this uh, mother of t- twin girls came up with this idea, and the idea was to create this Elf on the Shelf, and this Elf would be there on the shelf, and, and from Thanksgiving to Christmas, probably because she wanted some peace in her house, between that period of time. And the idea was the elf is hiding and watching you, children, watching how you respond, how you act. And then at the end of every day, the elf travels back to the North Pole and tells Santa. And so then the next day, the elf hides someplace else. And every night he goes back to Santa to report your conduct. Were you a good or a bad little boy or girl that day? And so, what happens is that then Christmas time comes, and then, you know, if the kid doesn't get what they wanted, who do they blame? Alf on the shelf. They blame that snitch on the shelf because they didn't get what they wanted to get. And then, all of a sudden, there's this grudge that is beginning and is established in the life of a kid because of that little snitch on the shelf who's telling on them. You know, it's an interesting story, and I think, you know, we can look at it in the juvenile, childish way, and yet the reality is it reminds us that grudges don't just happen with kids. They can happen with adults. Someone didn't respond to you the way you thought they should have responded to you, and so you can form a grudge. Unmet expectations. Now you can have grudges with people because your expectations weren't met the way you thought they should have. A grudge is defined as this, a feeling of deep-seated resentment or ill will. It's something probably everyone has experienced at some point, either the victim of a grudge or being the person holding the grudge in your life. It's said that holding grudges can be harmful to your physical and your mental health. It can affect our relationships, create problems at work, at home, or at school. It can trigger violent and aggressive behavior, it's been associated with several mental health conditions like anxiety and depression, post-traumatic stress, panic disorder, phobias, or even personality disorders. My wife and I, we got married uh, probably within the first couple of years. I realized that I married a sinner. And uh, she realized she married a bigger sinner. And there'd be times in our trying to figure this thing out, that we would have disagreements and even create grudges. And in the midst of that, we had one of those moments where all of a sudden we realized, not even know how we came to this, but um, we started realizing there's these alter egos in our marriage. That whenever she wasn't responding like I thought she should, my wife Colleen would be called Connie, and Andy would be Randy. And uh, every once in a while, in our disagreements, you know, we would be in that place, and I'd have to say, "Okay, Connie, I need to talk to Colleen. So could you go away?" And then she would, you know, reciprocate with this, and and it became, you know, you never wanted to meet Randy and Connie. And and there's been times other people have met Connie. And uh, remember a timeshare presentation one time when Connie showed up, and. It was the shortest timeshare presentation we'd ever been in. And uh, what's funny is I remember being at a some kind of banquet of some sort and we were at a table and I looked across the table and I realized there's two people sitting there and I leaned over to my wife and I said, do you realize who we're sitting with today? And his name was Randy and her name was Connie. I got all tense because, you know, I'd never, you know seen the embodied presence of that in such a way but grudges can cause us to have all sorts of all sorts of challenges and even personality disorders grudges when we deal when we have them in our life and good reason to get rid of grudges in our life because we don't want those things and we've all been here at some point in our life where we've had a grudge and if you haven't had a grudge it's okay christmas is right around the corner and i'm sure that There'll be some reason, you'll bring your best um, pie and then they won't eat it. And there will be a grudge for next year. Not only do we feel grudges with people, but the reality is, is that we can sometime hold grudges with God. Grudges when we are persecuted for doing what's right. God didn't reward us like we thought he should have rewarded us because I made a right decision. Because I did something that I thought I should get a better reward and I didn't, or grudges with God because we're rebuked for doing something wrong. Okay, it was bad, but it wasn't that bad, and it wasn't as bad as them. They do worse, so why am I getting this punishment? Or grudges because our expectations weren't met. God should have blessed me more. I should have won that billion dollar lottery. How come I didn't? God didn't meet my expectations, and I could feel that grudge established or grudges because we envy other people's blessings. Why didn't God help me like he helped them? And why are they doing better than I'm doing? And why did they get a bonus, the nicer car, the nicer house, the cuter dog, the more well-behaved children? Why did they get it and I didn't get it? And it's easy to allow grudges to come between us and God. But there's uh, some amazing news that we understand in the midst of Christmas and the amazing news is simply this. When we didn't want to have anything to do with God because of our grudges, God wanted to have everything to do with us. Well, we wanted to have nothing to do with God. God wanted to have everything to do with us. In Romans chapter five, verse eight, it says this, but God pr- pr- proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were shaking our fist at God, while we wanted to have nothing to do with God, Christ died for us. While we were in this place of a grudge with God, wanting to have nothing to do with him, he wanted to have everything to do with us. And all of your life, God has been trying to end the grudge, been trying to bring you into relationship with him. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, for Christ also suffered once for sin once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Jesus came in flesh, died on a cross for this purpose, to bring you, to bring me to God. To create an access, to create a gateway, to create an opportunity for us to come into relationship with a living God, that's why he came. That's why he gave his life, to bring us to God, to try to end the grudge that's there in our life. Jesus came and died to bring you to God. Jesus came and died to bring you to his Father. In the Bible, we see God trying to end the grudge with us consistently. We see God demonstrating his love for us in different ways, in different situations. In the New Testament, we see it with the, product, the story of the prodigal son. Really, it's an autobiography of God, that parable, because within that story, the father is God and the wayward child is us. We see the mercy of the father for the son, and the son goes and he squanders his, the money the father gave him, and now he's penniless, and he finally returns home And the father's reaction is shocking. You see, I picture my father yelling at me and pointing his finger at me because of my ways. But this father embraces his son and then hosts a celebratory feast. Instead of holding a grudge, the father joyfully describes his son as being lost and now found. Jesus came to end the grudge. In the Old Testament, there's a story in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 22 to 25. And, and we see the story of a man by the name of Balaam who was a, was a prophet of sorts. Balaam was commissioned by a king by the name of Balak. And Balak had seen the Israelites coming through the land after they come of their exodus from Egypt and they're strong, they're powerful. And Balak sees them coming across his land, his kingdom, and he gets freaked out. So he decides, hey, I'm gonna get that Balaam, the prophet, to come and bring a curse down on this nation. It'll stop them from moving forward. It'll stop them from coming into my land. So he commissions Balaam to come and give a curse To curse these people and so he takes them to this top hill and he goes to this place and and he says now see see all these people and see them down in the valley he was able to see the mass of these people so Balaam says go ahead curse them and so every time Balaam tried to curse all that came out of his mouth was blessing so instead of cursing them he blessed them so, so then Balak says, Well, let me take you to another hill. So he takes them to another hill. He says, Okay, you can see him, right? I want you to curse them. And once again, Balaam tries to curse them, and all that comes out is blessing. So Balak goes, Okay, you're mis- you misunderstand what I brought you here. I need you to stop these people. I need you to curse them. So takes them to another hill. See all the people there. I can see them. Okay, curse them. Once again, all that comes out was blessing. Three times he tries to, and Balaam finally says, I can only say what God puts in my mouth to say, and God won't allow me to curse these people. And every time he tried, he couldn't. He, even in this process, he was trying to get to the mountainside, and, and his donkey wouldn't let him get up to this hill. <coughs> and he stopped and and this is the one account where we see the donkey not, not, not cooperating. And so he gets up, starts beating his donkey. And all of a sudden, God gives the donkey the ability to speak. And the donkey looks at Balaam and says, why are you beating me? I mean, I've served you well all these years. Don't you see in front of you that there's a guy with the sword trying to stop me? All this battling going on on the mountain to protect the children of Israel in the valley... Because God made covenant, because God blessed them. Incredible. You see that God is fighting for the people on the mountain. Interestingly enough, though, chapter 25 numbers in the first verses, and here's what it says. While Israel was staying in the Acacia Grove, the people began to prostitute themselves with the women of Moab. The women invited them to their sacrifices for their gods, and the people ate and bowed in worship to their gods. While while Israel was sinning in the valley, God was fighting for them on the mountain. Wow. Okay, if I were God, thank God I'm not God, but if I were God... And God being fully aware what Israel was doing. Israel was in the valley, worshipping other gods, sinning in the valley, while God is up in the mountain fighting for them, fighting that they won't be cursed, fighting that they'll be blessed. Israel's in the valley, and and you know, I think I I would have probably just okay, well, that's how you want to be. Go ahead, curse him. Curse him. But God didn't allow the curses to come because it's incredible love that He's been trying to end the grudge. Well, Israel was in the valley sinning, God was in the mountain fighting for him. Can I say to you that there's times that we're in the valley sinning? And you know what God is doing? fighting for you. While we were still sinners, while we wanted to have nothing to do with God, God wanted to have everything to do with you. Jesus came to end the grudge. Colossians chapter 1, for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, you had a grudge, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, and free from accusation. Once you didn't want to have anything to do with God, once you were alienated, once there was a grudge between you and God. We, by nature, didn't love God. We, by nature, just we, for all have sin and fall short of the glory of God. We, by nature, don't want to have anything to do with God because anything to do with God reminds us about how bad we are. And nobody can tell you how bad I am more than I can tell you how bad I am. But isn't it interesting in John chapter three, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. And the very next verse says this, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come to condemn you, We have one condemner, and that's the devil. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He will always tell us how bad we are. He will always tell us God doesn't want to have anything to do with you. Can you believe? Why would God want to be with you? Why would God love someone like you? And condemnation always pushes us away from God. That's what it does. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, He didn't come to tell you how bad you are. We know how bad we are. We know how dip, we know nobody can condemn you better than you can condemn yourself. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. He came to bring you to God. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what this message is all about. To bring you to God. It's interesting how we hide from God in our sin though. Adam and Eve were created They had sinned. They walked in disobedience to God, ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. After they ate of it, their eyes were opened. Then the next part of the story, God comes into the garden of the cool of the day to walk with Adam and Eve, and he called out to them. And the Bible says they hid from God. After they heard God, they hid because they were naked and they were afraid. That's the progression we all deal with when it comes to God. Whenever we sin, whenever we feel that condemnation, we hide from God. Oh, we don't want to go to church. We don't want to go to church and we don't want to be around people who remind us about God and so we isolate ourselves. We hide from God because of our own condemnation. That's what we do. And yet God who was rich in mercy, God who was able to come and give of his very life, so we could be reconciled to God through Jesus. You see, Jesus came to end the grudge. All of a sudden, we see in 2 Corinthians, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The God who was reconciled, reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal Through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus came to end the grudge. He came to reconcile us to him. He came to redeem us from our sin. He came to restore us in relationship with him. Jesus came to end the grudge. You know, when it comes to grudges, there's probably three areas that we deal with grudges. The first area is that we have grudges with God. We have a grudge with God. If you feel far from God today, if you 've never invited Christ into your life, there's a grudge. There's a grudge that's been created because of your lifestyle of your conduct and your action, your sin. And God wants to restore and God wants to heal that grudge. The second area of the grudge that we deal with is a grudge with ourselves. We have a grudge with ourselves because of our own failures, our own inconsistencies, our own situations in our life. We don't feel good enough. We can't forgive ourselves because of what we did or what we said or what we've done. And how many times have we heard, I hate myself? We have a grudge with ourself. But Jesus came to end the grudge with him so we could have forgiveness and we could have healing. But that third area of grudge is the grudge that we have with people. On that day, the angels came to the shepherds and they said, we have good news of great joy that will be for all people. And he said, peace on earth is the message they brought in goodwill to men. Prior to that moment, we were at odds, but what Christmas represents is this opportunity where there is a grudge for there to be peace. But we deal with this grudge with people. People who have done us wrong, people who have failed us. They said something, they did something, they didn't do something we thought they should have done, and we have a grudge oh, it's shown in so many different ways. We're always the least, always the last person to admit we have a grudge. I remember one time there was this individual who I had a grudge with, and it was more of a one-sided grudge. They didn't even know that I had a grudge with them, and, and I didn't even think I had a grudge with them until one day I saw them at some event, and I didn't even talk to them, and they stood not too far from me, and I just didn't even acknowledge them, and and um, I was on my way away from that event, and Holy Spirit started talking to me. Hey, I want to talk to you about your, your grudge. I said, what grudge? The grudge with that person. I said, well, I have no grudge. I'm good. And Holy Spirit reminded me, you didn't say a word to that person. They were standing right there. This is someone you would have talked their ear off before, but you had nothing to say to them. I said, well, I just, you know, I didn't have anything to say. I, I'm trying to reason out and excuse out this fact that, yeah, I had a grudge with them. And it wasn't their issue, it was my issue. Because I felt like they didn't do something I thought they should have done. They didn't respond the way. And for months, I was out of relationship with them because of my grudge. And all of a sudden, God says, I need you to fix the grudge. Why did he want me to fix the grudge? You see, because Jesus forgave us so we could forgive others. Jesus reconciled us so we could be ambassadors of this message of reconciliation with others. You see, if Jesus forgiving us was the end of it and it doesn't change my life, what good was it? If what Jesus is doing in me, changing my heart, making me reconciled with God, forgiving me, and if he can forgive me, but it has no effect on how I treat people, what good was it? Because it didn't change anything. We sang a song a little bit earlier, Jesus changes everything. And we can sing it, Jesus, you change everything except for grudges. Jesus, you changed my life except for that situation. No, if Jesus truly comes into our life and he ends the grudge to bring us to God and then he says, great, now you come to me, now I've got an assignment for you. We're like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? You want me to be a missionary? You want me to be a pastor? An evangelist? What do you want me to do, God? I want you to forgive your brothers. Really, God, I'll go to Africa. <laughs> I want you to forgive your brothers. I want you to forgive your sisters. I want you to be my messenger of reconciliation to the world around you and end the grudge. Wow. That's why. God, there's so much more. How about, how about I give everything I have to the poor? That'd be easier, Lord. I want you to be a messenger of reconciliation to the world around you. I want you to forgive even as you've been forgiven. I came to end the grudge with you so you could end the grudge with others. I want you to forgive. But God, what if they don't accept it? That's not your problem. That's my problem. You do what you need to do. Forgive them. Bury the hatchet. Love them. But what if they, that's not your problem. Just like God deals with us, he can deal with them. But my part is because God dealt with my grudge with him. It gives me the ability to deal with my grudge with you. It's this vertical and horizontal relationship. Vertically, God deals with me so I can horizontally deal with you. But if I don't horizontally deal with you, guess what relationship it's going to affect? <laughs> My vertical relationship. And then all of a sudden, God comes, hey, I need to talk to you. Remember that Remember the great debt I forgave you of? Remember how I reconciled? Remember while you were still a sinner, I died? Remember when you were sinning in the valley, I was fighting for you in the mountain? Remember that? Oh God, how could I forget? Now I want you to forgive them. Now I want you to love them. Now I want you to be my messenger of hope, love, and forgiveness to others. What the world needs now is to end the grudge. And to end the grudge because Jesus ended the grudge with us so we could end the grudge with others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, that as we come to this moment of Christmas where we remember the incredible gift that you gave in giving of your son Jesus, to end the grudge in our life. To end not only the grudge in our life, but to end the grudges in our life. I pray, Lord God, that it wouldn't be in vain, but even this morning as we focus on your word, that you'll speak to us and you'll change us and your word will transform us. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, and just allow yourself to be personal with the Lord in this closing moment. Perhaps you're here today and You feel like you're very far from God today. Maybe you're watching online and you feel like you're very far from God, that there's this big boulder in your relationship with God. To be all honest, there's a grudge. This morning, God's been speaking to you. Really, it's the Holy Spirit beginning to speak to your heart and to invite you to come to this place of peace. Peace. This morning you say, you know, Pastor Andy, pray for me. I got to deal with this grudge I got with God. I need God to once again speak into my life. And I want to end the grudge with God and I want to invite him into my life. If that's you, can I just invite you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. That's me, Pastor. Thank you. There are others. That's me, Pastor. Even if you're online, just raise your hand in your home. and That's me because God sees it and God sees your heart that's me. I want to end that grudge today. Perhaps today you need to end the grudge in a couple other ways. Maybe you need to end the grudge in your own life. You need to forgive yourself. And maybe there's somebody in your life you need to forgive also. Even as this message was being shared with you, God brought to your mind some names and some faces of people that you got to end some grudges with. And he did that for a reason because he brought you here today so you could learn your assignment as a messenger of reconciliation. And There's some people in your life that you need God's help to end the grudge. And this season of Christmas can be such an awesome season because it can be the ending of a grudge that perhaps has been there for years. But by God's grace, it can go away in a moment. You hear you would say, Pastor, pray for me. I got some grudges I got to deal with. Just raise your hand. That's me, Pastor. Amen. All across this room, I got some stuff. I need God's help. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning in simple faith and ask you, Lord God, for your help. I pray for those who need to end the grudge with you, Jesus, that they in simple faith will say, Jesus, I invite you to forgive me of my sins and invite you into my life. And as much as I know how, I make you Lord of my life. And Lord, I pray as they say that prayer this morning, you will rush into their life and you will heal, you'll mend, you'll take away their grudge and be their best friend today. I pray also, Lord God, for those who are here who... There's some grudges that need to be dealt with, Lord God, and you brought them here today to hear that you can heal those grudges and you can mend and you can restore. And I pray you'll give them the courage, Lord God, to walk from this place and to live out, Lord God, the ministry of reconciliation, to be messengers of God's grace to the world around them and heal, Lord God, the grudges and mend the fences. In Jesus' name make a way for them, Father. Lord, we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, in that name that's above every name, to help us right now, in Jesus' name. Amen.